Welcome to The Reforming Lounge, a podcast on spiritual formation for the wandering heart. Every Wednesday, we gather to discuss questions centered around mental health and discipleship in the context of the local church. Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to The Reforming Lounge, um, a podcast on formation for the wandering heart. Here we explore the contours of spiritual formation and mental health from a reformed perspective. My name is Marco, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Mike Fowler. What's up, dude? Not much, man. Hang cool. What's up with you? Sitting here in my office. Cafe. That's it. Drinking this yeah. water. Boom. Oh, dude. Why are you making this awkward? Sorry. I didn't. <laughs> Uh, I made it awkward. Good to know. <laughs> How's your I'm day also going? drinking water. I'm good. It's good. It's, it's good. I have water as well. So uh, just hanging out with you, unfortunately. I, I mean, hanging out with you. Unfortunately. It's a, it's a super nice day in DFW. Yeah. So don't take it personally. I would just rather be anywhere but here right now. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. You're the one that so. actually scheduled this time. So if anything, this is your fault. That's valid. That's what I'm going to do after this. That's going to be great. There's a little, uh, little cardinal hanging out of my window. So yeah. Oh, that's great. I got a couple of green yeah, jays man. out of mine. Oh, snap. Green yeah. jays. Yeah, dude. Ooh, ooh. What? Okay, so when you say it's a it's a really nice day in DFW, like, what do you, like the weather's nice? Is it sunny? Like, what's going on? It's not raining for the first time in, like, 13 days, probably. Wow. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like, decent weather, like, mm-hmm. decent mm-hmm. temperature, I should okay. say. So yeah, it's like warm, you know, but it's not humid, which it normally is. Um, yeah, not raining. Okay. So it's nice. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. It actually just rained here this morning. Yeah, really? This morning. Yeah. So it's cloudy outside, but the rain is done. It's over. But uh, it also means it's cooler, which is nice. That, yeah. That might call for a cigar. We'll see. Ooh, dude. I was telling Shelby this morning. It's been so long since I've had a cigar. You got to be careful. Why? <laughs> Isn't it every time you smoke a cigar, you throw up? Hey, okay. So that was my first experience. I didn't know you're supposed to eat. I also didn't know that there's lighter <laughs> and heavier cigars. You could have helped me out and let me know. Oh, man. Sorry. My bad. I do that when people go to smoke a cigar with me. I'm like, hey, maybe you should eat something before. And if they don't, then I'm like, you might should stay in this range. Hey, man, so we got McDonald's know. afterward. We got Taco Bell, and it was horrible. It was, well, for you, it was. It was, yeah. It's I've given up on Taco Bell completely. Have I told you that? No. I don't I don't dude. eat Taco Bell, dude. The only time I ate Taco Bell was in Denton. I don't eat Taco Bell. I gave up on them. They ruined a, a weekend alone that I had. I was gonna. This is gonna sound like I'm trying to be ridiculous. I'm not. This was just legitimately a weekend that I planned. Shelby was out at a church thing, and uh, so I was home alone. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get a Taco Twelve Pack, and I'm gonna get down on some Sharknado Marathon. And so I did. The movies were great, spectacular cinema. If you haven't watched the the Sharknado series, you should definitely not watch the Sharknado series. You so should. It's so good. Tacos, however, were all stale. Like the entire 12 pack was stale shells. And then Taco Bell already gives you like 80% lettuce. 
So real quick, so all tacos were stale. That all, means dude. that means you did you eat all of them? That's how okay. you learned that they were all stale. Well, yeah, I didn't just. I mean, I mean, I spent like fifteen bucks on tacos. Like, what? I'm just gonna not eat them. <laughs> no. Man, I'm sharing my suffering with you, and you're just putting me on blast. Dude, because, that's awesome. You wait, ate, you ate stale tacos. Waste <laughs> my tacos, man. I guess, dude. We're probably losing a very specific group ripping Taco Bell like this. I'm sure. I mean, I feel like Taco Bell is more of a white thing. Yeah. So, well, yeah, for sure. All six of our listeners have just unsubscribed. Damn it. This morning, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram. And oh. um, this is something you're passionate about. And I should say, this is something we are passionate about. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know that I should just, just say it, but I should. I think the Enneagram it is sucks, out there. Man. Boom. I think it sucks. I think it's often misused. And that leads it to sucking. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like, like uh, trying to think of a metaphor, like, I don't know if there's something that I don't know how to use it at all. And I'm trying to use it versus someone that is trained to use it. Right. And knows the complexities of it and knows the limitations of it. There's going to be very different results. Right. I, yeah, I agree. So, <laughs> And it's just, I mean, you can just look up the Enneagram and take it and then, you know, join your cult and <laughs> you know, hunt down all the fours or whatever. And, yeah, you know, fours Man. against sevens or something. Yeah. So, I, I, I think it's, I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb because uh, particularly for those, and here's the thing. I would agree. Right. It can be a helpful tool, I guess. And I have some really good friends that subscribe to the, the to the Enneagram and they use it in their ministry for a variety of reasons. They use it as a way to connect with their congregation. They use it as a way to help their congregation figure out what their giftings are. Um, they use it in a way to better counsel their members of their congregation. And so I get it. They use it. I just think they're wrong and they're dumb and they shouldn't. And um, yeah. It's like good for them. Also, you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very workaholics. Okay, fine. We disagree. I get that, but I hate you. And so <laughs> and so um <laughs> and so yeah, my, my problem with the Enneagram is that it has taken it has taken evangelical circles by storm. And it is like where you have like the Bible thumper who is like father, son, and Holy Bible, right? You have these other nerds who are like father, son, and Enneagram, right? Wing tip, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so um, similar to what you said, the Enneagram, it can be misused. It could be abused and it could be, um, it, it becomes this tool that replaces the person and role and work of the Holy Spirit. It is this tool that can be communicated in a way with the same authority as scripture, uh, which by the way, doesn't have that, but you know, it can, it, people can, can place it with this equal authority to scripture. And in addition to that, like um, 
many individuals who subscribe to the Enneagram can almost psychologize the person of Christ. Right. And that gets really dangerous. Um, I get it. It's for the purpose of helping other individuals, but man, that is uh, heresy. And um, because you're denying the work of the Trinity, like when it comes to God, he is a Trinitarian God and the Enneagram almost when used improperly and abused, the Enneagram can completely dismiss, uh, dilute and disregard uh, the Trinity. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the Enneagram. Um, We're going to talk about a couple of ins and outs of the Enneagram and just some of our beef with the Enneagram, but we might even have some commendation for those who use it. Maybe probably. So yeah, man, what, why don't you kick us off? Like you did a little bit of research on the Enneagram. I did a little bit of research on the Enneagram primarily from one book, one book source. And I know that there are tons of other um, sources out there uh, for the Enneagram that might even speak uh, better about it and might be a little bit more um, up to date. But before I get into my jazz, what about you? What 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 were you researching regarding the Enneagram, or how how like yeah. what's your experience with the Enneagram, particularly in the world of counseling? Uh, so <laughs> I actually first heard about the Enneagram through the church more than I did from counseling. Uh, I did hear about uh, a couple that went to counseling and that was kind of the main thing is like hey these are your enneagram numbers this is how you tend to react to each other just need to know these things um so that was kind of how i was introduced to it and then it just gradually picked up more and more at the hills that at the church that i used to be at i was trying not to not to put their name out there (laughs) i'm trying to put them on blast i'm sure that's Um, like one of 20 in the dfw sure sure uh but yeah, it, it really started blowing up there and it seemed like progressively, I mean, everybody just kind of knows what their number is and they would use it as they talk about reactions to things like, mm-hmm. well, I'm a seven, so I do blah, 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 or whatever. What's your number? Um, uh, I'm a nine. Does so that, does that mean like you're a loser, like at the bottom of the... Means that I'm smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the nine is uh, a peacemaker is what it's categorized at. Um, I'll read you some of the attributes here. Since yeah, what are your attributes? You are too cool to do your research and see what number you are, bro. I know what number I am. Uh, what number are you? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one. I'm, what is oh, it called? Okay. I'm a reformer, which is fitting. This research article I'm looking at says the perfectionist, not oh, reformer. I guess. Well, so. I did some tests and it was free and it said one, colon. Yeah reformer yeah and so there's there's truth to it there's like as i read it some of these things definitely fit my personality and i could see you being a one too like you're pretty detail oriented right you're very structured the way that you can put things together i think you really have a vision for that kind of stuff um some of the ways that it describes to me is easygoing open-minded peaceful um and like i i just tend to be, you know, a little bit more laid back. And uh, so it's like, I read that and I'm like, yeah, I could see myself being a nine. But I think what ends up happening is that people are looking for a way to explain themselves and understand themselves better. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we look at that just in a general sense, there are definitely personality assessments out there that are helpful with doing that. Um, however, human behavior is never that rigid. Like it's, right. it's never going to tell you exactly who you are. It's, it's never going to tell you exactly how you're going to respond to all these things. Um, I forget the term that that's used for. What is it when uh, it's kind of a, a distorted view on God's sovereignty of it just being mechanical as if, oh, I think they use it when they're talking about um, divine inspiration. Like there was no human in who was writing the the Bible and God just kind of used as, them as a machine to dictate what he wanted. You know what I'm talking about? Or yes, I do. Off? And it's not coming to mind. And I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talk- it's it's it, yeah. in light of um, the authority and inspiration of scripture and how that came to be about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So- I was just listening to RC Sproul talk about it the other day, but good old I'm Sproul. Oh yeah, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's what people are looking for is something to be able to understand themselves better, and you know, the Enneagram is a way to do that. Right. However, as I was looking up some of the research on it, there's so there's um, reliability and validity, um, which are two kind of key components that you're looking at when you're looking at the effectiveness of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reliability is it's consistency to be able to measure. So if I use this to measure this, it's going to produce the same results when I measure it later. Um, validity is that it's actually measuring what you're trying to measure, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at, if you're using some assessment and you're trying to look at marriage satisfaction, you want to make sure that the results that you're getting are attributed to marriage satisfaction and not some other component. Right. Yeah. And so those are pretty significant things when it comes to doing any kind of psychological research. Um, And those are both a little shaky when it comes to the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas there's, there's other tools that just tend to be more effective. Sure. Um, And they've been around a lot longer, but I think the Enneagram is just really, really popular right now. So that's what people are just jumping onto. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's also really helpful to man, take a quick step back for those that don't know what the Enneagram is. Or I think the other thing is like the Enneagram is also something that's like, it's only perceived as a personality test or um, it's assumed that you're going to know what the per- the Enneagram is. I, I think there could be so many like revolving definitions and, um, and, the source that I'm kind of pulling from is from is, is a book called the road back to you. And it was written by Ian Morgan Cron and Susan uh, stable. I hope I'm saying her name, right? I don't know if I am. Um, and they wrote this book back in 2016. And so that's why I said, I think there are a tremendous amount of more resources now. Um, but in their book, they go on to um, explain what the Enneagram is by saying this, that the Enneagram teaches that there are nine different personality styles in the world. And you were, you were touching on them right now. One of which we naturally gravitate toward and adopt in childhood to cope and feel safe. Each type or number has a distinct way of seeing the world and an underlying motivation that powerfully influences how that type thinks, feels, and and behaves and so that was very helpful in terms of just getting just this definition for what the enneagram is and what the purpose of it is um and uh 
and I think the reason a lot of people gravitate towards something like that is, and you already spoke on this. I think the reason a lot of people gravitate towards it is because they do want to get to know themselves a little bit better. They want to know why they have certain, um, you know, uh, I already forgot the word, but uh, why they have certain characteristics, why they have certain attributes, why they have certain ticks, why they, what makes them think the way that they do. And so I think that's where it's something that's helpful, right? Like I've taken personality exams before within X29, we had to do like the disc, Myers Briggs, a friend of mine who's really into personality tests, asked me to do um, what's it called? Uh, Your unique design about 10 years ago. And so it was cool, I guess. You know what I mean? And um, and so in yeah, and so in addressing like the the Enneagram, I think it's important for us to realize kind of what you're saying. Like there's there's some sketchiness to it in light of how you're going to identify and better understand certain parts of your life. And at the same time, I think, uh, I think from a ministerial perspective, it's really important to know what you're doing and how you're using the Enneagram, which I don't think you should, because it's almost as though that replaces the person and work of the Holy Spirit uh, for the individual, which I mentioned earlier. In your yeah. research, what, what have you found regarding man, some of the background of, of the Enneagram. Cause that's, that's some of the things that a lot of people who do have issues with the Enneagram, that's where one, they, they tend to go towards like, man, here are some of our concerns before we get into some of these other areas of, um, psychology and even practical workings of ministry. Here are some of the areas that we just have concern for regarding its origin. Yeah. So it's actually been around since about the seventies. Um, and it was predominantly used just as a tool by psychiatrists as one piece in a larger system yeah. of psychological assessment. And so much of assessment, too, is like things that the psychologist is determining just through their personal experience, for their professional experience. Um you know, there's just a lot of nuance to some of that stuff. And so it was originally, used in that regard, um, just as a tool mm -hmm. with, with assessment. Um, but there's so much that's going to be missed in that. And the other thing is that when it comes to like, just how research tends to function is that yeah. the most, the most unreliable source of research is self-report measurements. Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram, when you're just taking it by yourself online, <clears throat> it's all based on how do you think you react to this? Which might not always be a clear picture. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but it, it really started blowing up. Uh, I think that book that you mentioned is actually one of the mm -hmm. um, more significant publications over the past few years. And I'm not sure how it really got to the point that it is now, but I know they also have a podcast where they talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I know that from, um, I know that it was, it was, it was used in the 1970s, but some would argue that its origins go all the way back to like Babylon, Mesopotamia times. And so they would, they would really? say that it is ancient. Yeah. But the thing about it is in, in, in my research, particularly through, um, 
it's the 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 christian research journal um they they did this one feature on the enneagram called uh tell me who i am o enneagram and uh their research suggests that uh that there isn't enough evidence to support that it is as ancient as some people claim it is in addition to that the enneagram uh has roots in the occult um, because of the manner in which it was originally originally used. And then when you begin adding um, some theological concern to the Enneagram, uh, you think about, for instance, like Deuteronomy 18, uh, where God forbids uh, the practice and pursuit of everything from uh, the occult or cultish practices, um, magic, right? He goes on to say that that they are an abomination, right? Uh, in addition to that, um, some of the theological concerns when we're looking at the Enneagram, uh, one of the biggest ones tends to be around the doctrine of sin. Because even oh, so even in their book, um, on the Enneagram, uh, Road Back to You, um, at some point they go on to define what sin is um, and, and how sin relates to, uh, to the Enneagram. And the problem with it is that that's not the way the, the, the Bible views sin. So, so in their book, they go on to say that sins are fixations that prevent excuse me, sins are fixations that prevent the energy of life, God's love from flowing freely. They are self-erected blockades that cut us off from God and hence from our own authentic potential. Um, and that sounds really nice. And I could see some people, even in my own congregation saying like, yeah, I think that's what sin is. And it's like, actually, no. Number one, yeah. sin is rebellion toward God. Number one. Number two, it is cosmic treason, according to R.C. Sproul, right? Uh, and then number three, in Adam, we are sinners by nature and choice, right? We yeah. have inherited his sin. Therefore, no one starts off as a Christian. Therefore, no one seeks God. No one loves God. No one looks to God, right? That's Romans 3. Um, mm -hmm. Later on, Paul goes on to say, or the Apostle Paul goes on to say that for all of sin involves short of the glory of God. Right. And so sin yeah. isn't just this obstacle that keeps us from from God. No, this is actually the state that we find ourselves in uh, because we are actually in opposition to God because we want to be in opposition to God. And therefore, right. the wrath of God is over us uh, and we are justly condemned. But in his love sent Jesus Christ uh, to live the life we can't live, die the death that we deserve in our place for our sins so that we might be reconciled to God. And if you are ever curious as to what God thinks about sin, look at the cross. Right. Yeah. And where he pours his wrath out on his son. Right. Yeah. And so uh, for me, particularly, that's one of the, the, the biggest beefs I have with the Enneagram is that it um, distorts the doctrine of sin. Right. And, it, and essentially, yeah. it kind of communicates to individuals, um, like for, even in their book, for instance, um, what can be confusing about um, what can be confusing about um, the whole 
number system of the Enneagram is that you run into things like, like, for instance, you were talking about ones, right? The detailed oriented, that they are perfectionist, right? And so their message for ones uh, is this reminder that they are worthy of love and that they need to belong and that God loves them the way they are, right? Well, it's the same thing that he goes on to say like threes need to hear the same thing, right? That you are loved just for who you are. And it's like, um, actually let's talk about the condition of your heart because not only is it hardened, it's in opposition to God. You are a sinner by nature and choice. Um, if God loved you the way you are, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. Gosh. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what came into my mind. as you said that is why would he send his own son? Yeah to walk amongst us to bear the burden of our sins and to ultimately pay the sacrifice on the cross. If he loved us exactly as we are, I mean, Jesus had to die because of exactly who we are. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Kevin DeYoung writes this, uh, this article in response to the book road back to you. And he goes on to say, as a cure of souls, the Enneagram, once you get past all the fancy triads and the wings is a one size fits all stop trying to measure up, find your true self and accept that God loves you and will take care of you. And man, that is a really, really bad message to, I think, give individuals who really are in need of redemption. And, um, and at the same time, it suggests, um, or depending on, I suppose, how the Enneagram is used, it suggests that revelation actually comes from within. And that's what's really dangerous about self-care or finding your true self. It's, it's essentially saying that, man, finding out who I am and what I'm about, finding this revelation about my true self, my, my authentic self comes from within. And what the Bible says, right? What scripture teaches is actually revelation comes to you in the form of the person and work of Jesus Christ so that the scales would fall off and you would see, oh my gosh, I am, I'm a sinner in need of grace in need of a savior. Yeah. Yeah. As you read that definition, I know we're backing up a a little bit here, but as you read that description of what the doctrine of sin would be based on how the road back to you describes it. Um, the main word that really stuck out to me is control because it, they, they almost present it in a way where it sounds like these are the, you know, sin is kind of irritants that are present in your life that do get in the way of your relationship with God. But we have the ability to address those, mm-hmm. which would be counter to the doctrine of sin that we get from scripture as that we're completely dependent on God's grace to be changed and conformed. And obviously we do have responsibility in that, but the ability to be able to do that is through his grace ultimately. Right. Yeah. And and so I think it kind of pokes it really kind of a, maybe a central uh, value of um, America in general is that we have the ability to through, you know, our endurance our uh, hard work or whatever it is to get ourselves to where we need to be, which is still counter to the work of the cross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, and I think that ties into, again, I'm, I'm just coming from their, their, their book road back to you, but I, I think that ties into um, for instance, like how they, how you view grace in spirituality. 
right? And so the idea of the Enneagram is to help you come to this place where you are, you have found your true self, you have spiritually evolved, and you are able to communicate. Um, you're able to communicate. I'm like, how, why is it that God loves you in, in, in this way? And I think, again, I think what's, what's dangerous about that, particularly when we're only looking at the personality, when we're only looking at finding that true authentic self is that grace certainly is distorted. In addition to that, all of the language that tends to be embraced by, um, the manner in which the Enneagram is used is that it's actually not biblical language. Like it doesn't teach us anything about covenant promises. It doesn't teach us anything about repentance or atonement, similar to what we were talking about just a moment ago. It doesn't say anything about heaven or hell. It doesn't say anything about our need for a savior. And um, in the in the book, um, I think they, uh, they, they, they quote this individual named Thomas Merton, who goes on to say, for me to be a saint means to be myself. Now I can look at that, I think, and turn it into some kind of theological justification in the sense that, um, God redeems me through Jesus, reconciles me to God, the father, and then gives me the gift of the Holy spirit so that I would not just be merely human, but so that I would become truly human so that I would actually become what God intended, who I would become, who God intended me to be right. Not for the purpose of like fulfilling this, like, um, th this amazing purpose and achieving these things, but no, so that how it actually conform into the image of God as it was originally intended. And so when I read that quote, for me to be a saint means to be myself, I could say, yeah, in the, in the sense of conforming into the image of Christ. Not that I'm just comfortable with my authentic self and, and that's it. No, there is sanctification that's involved. There is sin that needs to be repented of. There is uh, humility that needs to be walked in. There is grace that needs to be received and grace that needs to be um, given and, and extended. And there is grace that uh, I need in order to be sustained, not just so that I am walking in my, my true self. Yeah, which is a really limited view of, and I think a complete misunderstanding of the point of mm -hmm. the gospel as a mm -hmm. whole, right? It's yeah. it's not about, uh, and this is where I think some of these psychological aspects have kind of infiltrated um, some of our theology maybe, mm -hmm. is there is a, I mean, a pioneer of psychology, Carl Rogers, um, and he had this, um, pretty sure it was Carl Rogers. Let me double check now. But uh, <laughs> his, his whole thing was people reaching self-actualization, mm. which is kind of this like almost like enlightened version um, of who we are. Yeah. And I, it, it seems pretty prevalent in our culture of like, I need to aspire to, you know, achieve all these things and do all these things yeah. um, so that I can be my true self. Um, and I think it was in our last episode, um, you said something to the effect of, uh, like God's will for your life is for you to be sanctified. Right. And I, I think we completely miss that. And that we think that God has some, you know, will for our lives that we would deem as successful. Um, right. Whereas I'm sure that there's people throughout history, like 
like not everybody's a Martin Luther, right? Right. Not everybody's a John Calvin. I mean, there's dudes that are in their communities and in their local churches that are having an incredible impact on the gospel and its message in God's yeah. kingdom that we're never going to know about. Yeah. You know, but I think we can take these ideas that this is what it means for me to represent Christ is that he has this will for me to be personally successful yeah. and to build my own personal tower of Babel. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's good. That'll preach. Um, okay. Question Turn that back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Tweet> that. <laughs> Somebody better tweet that. Um, okay. Here's a question. So is so the Enneagram teaches a great deal of finding your true self, uh, authentic, you know, being authentic. Um, is that bad? Like knowledge of, uh, self-knowledge is that bad? I don't think self-knowledge is bad. Uh, I think it, I think ultimately, I mean, if we look at it from a Christian perspective, primarily, um, that I forget where I was going with that. You just got that part. <laughs> I don't think self knowledge is bad, but I think it ultimately that's where I was going. It's, it depends on our hearts. Like, what are what's our intention for these things? Okay, well, you know, what should and, the intention be? What should the intention be of self discovery, self knowledge? Yeah, me knowing and learning more about myself. What should the intention be? I mean, for the church to. Yeah, bro, you're, dis- you're discipling me right now. What, 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 what should the intention be if if I have some self discovery, some self knowledge of who I am? What should I do with that? I mean, ultimately, to bring glory to God, right, and to further the kingdom on the earth. I think that's kind of the point of for for all of us is yeah. what we we should be doing. Yeah. And so it's a very I think DFW we can answer. Hide, hide. Thanks, bro. <laughs> well. Truth is truth. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think we take that stuff and we just funnel it into like, I need to know more about me, kind of going back to control so that I can, you know, be more effective at work and be more effective in my marriage and be right. more effective parent. Um, where I just don't think it works like that, really. Yeah. And it's something interesting. And this is, this is kind of a, this might be more of how I view therapy and change um, more so than how the field of psychology would view it as a whole. But for the most part, like psychoeducation for people. So like stuff like this, like the Enneagram doesn't actually really produce change. So I can know these things about myself and that doesn't mean that I'm going to operate any differently. I mean, even as I was reading, you know, more about a nine last night and uh, Shelby happens to be a one also. And on the Enneagram website, they have like a role, like a uh, relationship section where yeah. you can see what you can expect from yeah. your number and your spouse's number yeah. come together. And so I'm reading that stuff and it's like, oh yeah, this happens to be pretty close with how we operate on certain things. Yeah. But if I didn't know that beforehand, it's, it's not really going to change how I operate with yeah. things. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's so part of what I'm trying to do in therapy. And like my goal when I'm working with people is going beyond this, just like self-discovery and knowledge layer yeah. um, and getting to healing, whatever it is that, you know, is coming in essentially so that they can feel differently 
right. about however it is that they're struggling. Yeah, no, I think that's good. The reason I was asking is because, you know, we're doing this also from a reform perspective and it would be weird not to mention a reformer because John Calvin, here, here's one of the things that, that, that good old Calvin writes in, in his institutes, which if you haven't read, you should. Um, this is in the first book. He goes on to say, uh, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. And so he was this proponent for the necessity of uh, self-discovery, of figuring out who you are. However, right, that's why I was going back to what you were saying um, in the sense of like, well, what, what is it that we're, we're supposed to do? What, what do we do with this self-discovery? And Calvin goes on to say that um, learning who we are, this knowledge of self is essential so that we, quote, begin to become displeased with ourselves. In other words, that as we know more about ourselves, we, are, we despise our sin. We despise the condition of our hearts so that that would turn us to God. And as we turn to God, we recognize who he is and who we are, that we would repent of our sins so that we would change, so that we would conform into the image of God. And so it's this cycle. The more we learn about ourselves and the more we evaluate that in light of who God is, repentance ought to take place. And I think it was, I think that's consistent with what you were saying uh, a minute ago. Like I can know these things about myself, but if there is no change, then it doesn't necessarily matter. And I think the key here theologically is repentance. I could know these things about myself, but if I don't do anything about it, right? Like the end of the day is if there is no repentance, there's no change. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, and this isn't unique to the Enneagram, but um, part of what we get from the Enneagram is that God created you to be this way. Just accept yourself for who you are, which kind of runs in the opposite the direction of what you, this quote that you just shared from Calvin mm-hmm. is that it's it's not about being comfortable with who we are. We should be more aggrieved by who we are as we mm-hmm. learn more about ourselves and our true nature and hopefully pointed to the cross and yeah. to repentance yeah, as a response. Yeah. So we've talked about the Enneagram kind of at large. Is there anything, and you've talked a little bit about uh, some of the benefits, but we've, we've kind of skipped over that. Are there any benefits to, you know, taking an Enneagram test, using the Enneagram? I mean, yeah, there's some accuracies to it. And I, I think that can be helpful for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of this stuff is going to be super accurate for every person. You know, and so I, I do kind of wonder how it would impact someone that doesn't fall into these certain things, right? Um, like just how that would be perceived. Because I kind of read it, and I'm like, huh, okay, that's interesting. Like some of that's right, some of that's wrong. You know, yeah. I don't react that way. We yeah. just did some personality test at my job, and I was reading the results. I feel like this is so like some of the stuff that it's saying that I need to be um, like felt to things that would be helpful to, to make me feel like encouraged at work. I was reading some of the suggestions that it was giving my leadership and I was like, man, I feel really strongly about this stuff, like the opposite direction. Yeah. I don't want you, you know, hovering over me and and telling me this stuff. And so I just, I use that as as an example because I do wonder 
what people would do with that if they don't really have a psychological understanding anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, where some people are prone to that. Some people just aren't, you know? Mm. And so if I'm reading it and I'm thinking these are like really accurate, valid results and it doesn't really matter just my own understanding. And, you know, of course with the piece of discernment yeah. and what do we do with that? Where could that lead people? Yeah. So. Two more questions. One, do you think, I got to say them before I forget them. Do you think that the Enneagram um, boxes people in, you've touched on this already, but do you think the Enneagram given the number system box pe- boxes people in? And do you think number two, the Enneagram not only reduces the role of the Trinity, but do you think that the Enneagram is a replacement for discernment? I'm writing them down because I'm going to forget them if you're not going to remember. <laughs> I think that we use the Enneagram to box ourselves in. Right. I, I don't think that's the purpose of it. Right. I think with any psychological assessment, it's to give you data to have a, a, maybe a more clear picture of a person. But I think we take that and we say, this is who I am. This is just the way that I function. These are my basic fears. These are my basic desires because I'm an Enneagram three and that's what it says. So I don't, I don't think that's the function of it, but I think that's the result of it when it's misused. Um, And then in regards to discernment, yeah, 100%, because we're, learning about ourselves through exposure to scripture, through being in community with other believers, uh, through learning more about God, these things are happening to learn more about ourselves. But if we take the Enneagram and we think that that's like you were saying, kind of replaces the authority of scripture, then it, it can, if it's misused. And so that's, you know, all this stuff always takes me back to like being at a healthy church, being at a church that is going to emphasize scripture and emphasize the authority of scripture. And you're being exposed to scripture on a daily basis. You're in community with people who are, who take scripture seriously. And I think you can definitely use Enneagram and it can be beneficial and you might learn some things about yourself. You might, you know, have some ideas of how to interact with others. But I think if you're at one of these places that is really overemphasizing mental health and psychology um, more so than the gospel, then absolutely it's mm. going to replace not only the Holy Spirit and discernment, but the gospel itself. Yeah. Okay. How do you think the the Enneagram, right? How do you think the Enneagram reduces? We've been talking about this. How do you think the Enneagram reduces the role of the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, going back to what I was saying about, I think that we like human behavior is just not nearly as rigid as we might like to think. Mm. We might like to think that it's, it's so predictable. Right. Um, that's how, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's kind of how I understand our relationship with the spirit too, is there going to, there's going to be so much nuance in that depending on each person. And so it, it can't just be, you know, this is how the Holy Spirit operates in every single person. Right. Um, but if we're thinking, because I mean, often the spirit, I just did that thing. If we're thinking, what thing? What thing? <laughs> Tell everybody. if we're thinking that these are the ways that I operate under stress, then when we're in those positions, we might justify that because of our Enneagram number. Oh, that's good. Whereas, 
what I see from scripture is that we are going to be in positions where we're uncomfortable as yeah. believers. If we're, yeah. if we're walking with Jesus, if we're actually walking with Jesus, we're yeah. going to be in positions where we're uncomfortable. Yeah, that's good. And so if we automatically take those positions and say, well, I'm a six, so this is how I react here. Like there is no dependency on the spirit. There mm-hmm. is no dependency on maybe God is pushing me here. Maybe that's I'm really to, good. It's almost like you, you forfeit know. your sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. That's I good. I think so. I think it's definitely a risk of it. Yeah. That's really good, man. So, so we're coming up to the 45 minute mark. If you had to give your, uh, summary, Hey man, the, about the Enneagram, what would you say? Man, it's hard. It's hard for me to summarize it as an Enneagram. Cause, and I know we're going to talk about, you know, what you've, kind of dubbed as the new psychology. Um, but I, I think the Enneagram is one of many things that can can be helpful in terms of our walk. Um, but people use good things as idols all the time. And yeah. scripture constantly reminds us of that. I, I think about the Pharisees and you know, they're like using things that are good things yeah. to build themselves up. Yeah. And it's like they're completely missing the point of memorizing scripture, right? Yeah. Because they're just using it to destroy people. Yeah. So I, I think just like any other thing, you know, if we're not careful that we can uh, rely far too heavily on the Enneagram. The yeah. other thing is you can get this information from an actual professional that might help you understand it better. Right. Uh, because one of the other things that I found in the research on it is like the information on the wings and stuff like that. There's not a whole lot of consistency there. Yeah. So that could be a lot of misinformation that you're getting. Uh, but more than anything, I think you need to be grounded at a healthy church grounded in scripture. If you're going to even allow yourself to use stuff like this, it yeah. needs to be looked at through the lens of, being changed by scripture first. Right. It needs to be filtered through God's word. Right. Yeah. No, right. I agree. I agree hundred percent. I, I think, I think if you lack discernment, then you shouldn't worry about the Enneagram. No one cares about your number. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you see the apostle Paul, like constantly telling the churches that he's writing to, he constantly tells even uh, Timothy, right like don't don't mess around with myths or things that are ungodly like they're they're going to produce trouble right instead he tells them to ground himself in 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 his in his word right um to, to ground himself in god's word and and you look at second timothy 3 16 all scriptures breathed out by god and is profitable for teaching reproof and rebuke so that you would be fully equipped to handle things right and so yeah. um so yeah i think of an individual is a young Christian. I think of an individual lacks discernment. Like they can't apply God's word to their circumstances. They can't understand God's word in light of their circumstances. I think you don't need to worry about the Enneagram. I think, I think you need to dive right into scripture so that you would see God for who he is and how he reveals himself through Christ and in his word. And then if you want to learn some more about yourself, then I guess you can do the Enneagram. Yeah. Find someone to help you wrestle with scripture because mm. I, I think that scripture can be intimidating. And I think that's, that's maybe good. one of the, you know, I don't want to say benefits. Um, maybe one of the appealing factors of the Enneagram is it's very digestible. 
Yeah. And so it's easy to look at that versus reading and wrestling with scripture. So I think being in community with people that can help you do that can have a huge impact. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I would agree. I think that's a really good point. Find someone that will help you, I think, wrestle with the truths of God. Right. And and at the same time, as you begin learning more about the truth and word of God, you need to wrestle with that too. When we look at Psalm one, right, we see that the psalmist writes to to that his desire is to meditate on the word of God day and night so that he would be like a tree plant tree planted near streams of water and everything and, and yields its fruit in its season. When you look at the word meditate, like there's a great deal of work of mental energy being put into uh, thinking deeply of the things of God. And so, yeah. man, I want to be able to find someone who's going to challenge me. And at the same time, while I am challenged, as I'm being challenged, I need to think deeply about the things of God more than, for instance, my Enneagram number. Um, like I want to make sure that the word of God is deeply rooted in me, that I am like a tree planted near a stream of water, where I am healthy, where I am growing, where I am yielding fruit, where the fruit of the spirit is evident in my life. Like I want to be able to embody Psalm 1 because of God's work done for me in Christ and God's work done uh, through me uh, because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So. Amen. Yeah, man. Cool. Well, guys, uh, that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode on the Enneagram. Um, Make sure to follow us on social media, visit our website, or if you want any uh, help or tips, questions on uh, family counseling, where can they find you, Fowler? Fowlerfamilytherapy.com. Boom. There you go. We're going to make just family therapy but also individuals also Shelby does parenting classes through there. So yeah, oh, that's awesome. stuff. All right. Yeah, so fam- Fowler family therapy.com. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about the Fowlers go there, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the reforming lounge podcast. Follow us on social media at The Reforming Lounge on Instagram. If you have questions, we want to hear from you. Visit thereforminglounge.com.